Well, you know, one of the greatest dangers that we face as Christians in America is uh, losing the sense of wonder at the uh, salvation that God has given to us. And uh, it's just like almost anything, the more you get used to it, the less uh, marvel you see in it. And I just, uh, I don't want that to happen in my life. And I have to remind myself daily of the greatness of God's salvation for us. Well, we've been in the book of Galatians. We're almost to the end of the book of Galatians. Let me just say uh, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, going through about verse uh, uh, 9 today. But uh, let me just say this. In the New Testament, in Paul's writings especially, but really in all of the New Testament, there's two major focus points. One is on how we become a Christian. And, uh, and, and then the second is how we behave as a Christian. So the first part is about the, the sovereign grace of God. It's about God working in us. Boy, this is John 17. I just, whoo. I just wanted to jump up and down and run around a little bit while she was reading John. Isn't it just marvelous to think that, uh, that before the foundation of the world, God had given to Christ some people. And you were one of those people. And then in time, Jesus died for those that had been given to him. And then the Holy Spirit works in drawing them and bringing them out of every tribe and tongue and nation. That's actually the basis for world missions, is that we know that every place, any place we go, God has some people there. And we preach the gospel, and the Spirit of God draws them and then gives them life, and that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And I tell you, that's, that's just hammered at. In the first half of all of Paul's letters, he just emphasizes that. And in this book of Galatians, he has been writing to say, don't you understand, it is not by your obedience, it's not by your attempt to keep the law that you have salvation, <clears throat> that it is by grace alone, through Christ alone. And then, after a person becomes a Christian, and that's uh, most of the people we're speaking to when we gather together here in church on Sunday, then the, the, there's a shift in Paul saying, all usually, it usually is associated with a little word called therefore. Therefore, since God has done such marvelous things for you, therefore, now you as children of God have some responsibilities. And so that's uh, the focus of the message today. And he says, and we've already looked at the first uh, five verses, been very, very significant, important verses. But verse six, let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, I'm not going to preach a lot on that. Basically, that says pay your preacher. That's, uh, that's what that verse says, is that the, 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 spirit, the people who feed you spiritually, you take care of them the same way that the Levites were taken care of in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, the one that teaches you, you, uh, 
You communicate back to them good things, and uh, it may be a salary. It might be a chicken or a ham or something like that. When my wife and I were pastors of a little country church back in Tennessee, it wasn't uncommon for us to open the door, and there'd be a, a, a chunk of meat laying on our front porch. It's if the dogs hadn't got it by the time we opened the door. That happened a time or two, didn't it, I think? And, uh, and people would give us a dozen eggs or something like that and provide us a place to live. And that, that's just a wonderful way of expressing to those who feed you spiritually an opportunity to say, I appreciate you. And uh, this uh, last week, my, my battery was dying on my car, and my car just barely would start. And I checked with a couple of mechanics. They want $140 to change that battery because it's, uh, it's not an ordinary place. You have to take the car apart, windshield wipers off, all kinds. It's weird, really weird. And so somebody said, well, uh, uh, have you thought about checking with Matt Moffitt? I said, well, I hadn't thought about that, but I gave him a call. He said, yeah, bring that car over here. And he did, and... Uh, an hour probably what it would have taken me two days to do and then I'd have torn a bunch of stuff up too in addition to that and uh, and I said well let me pay you something for that he said no he's just just I don't remember what you said but what the message was don't worry about it and so I went away just praising the Lord and thinking really of of, of this verse right here that uh that I, I want to minister to him in ways that I can, and he ministered to me in a way that I couldn't, and that, that he was able to. So I appreciate it so much. You just you really more than I can, can can express to you. So that's what that verse means. But then he begin launches into something in verse seven that I really want us to focus on this morning. He says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked." Now, he's writing to Christian people here. He's writing to me and you here today. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh. Now, he's already been talking a lot just in the chapter before this about the works of the flesh versus the the fruit of the Spirit. He says those who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. In other words, there will be some, it'll be a a very, very bad harvest for those that sow according to their flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And again, this is not saying that you will get eternal life by doing good things, but it means that the full, abundant life that Jesus intended for us to have will actually be ours in its fullest measure to the degree that we obey and follow, delight in, rejoice in, and uh, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So as a Christian, you have a bag of seeds. You actually have two bags. (laughs) You have a bag of seeds that you could be sowing that would be consistent with those works of the flesh. And I want to tell you, there are some Christians today who are sowing some bad seeds. And what he says here is, don't, don't let anybody trick you. Don't be deceived. 
You're not going to mock God. That word for mock means to thumb the nose. You ever Anybody ever thumb their nose at you? You know what that means even, you know? Uh, yeah, you, you, you do like that at somebody, and it's a, a, an insult. It's a, it's a way of mocking them. I went to a drive-in theater one night. A friend of mine, and it was a, it was a guy, and uh, there was a particular movie we wanted to see, and so we went to this drive-in theater, and as we pulled in to get our ticket, the person gave him the ticket, and my friend reached his arm around my face and put his thumb on my nose and thumbed my nose at the guy uh, selling the ticket. And I thought that was just about the worst thing he could do. You know, I thought that guy was going to come out of there and whip me. He didn't appreciate being mocked, and I didn't appreciate my friend, uh, former friend, uh, doing that to me that night. And I thought, boy, it would have really been bad if it had been a policeman that had stopped me and he was writing me a ticket. You know, anyway. So, uh, so he says, you're not going to mock God. Don't be deceived. And by the way, you can be deceived. Did you know that Christians can be deceived? You can be deceived. In fact, many passages in the New Testament warn us about uh, deception, about uh, not being deceived. How, how can we be deceived? Let me, I, mean, I, got a, I made a list of it here that if I can remember where I put it. I think it's right here. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Let no man deceive himself. Do you know that you can deceive your own self? Have there ever been times in your own life where you ended up tricking yourself, talking yourself into doing something that you knew you shouldn't do, and you actually deceived yourself. Jeremiah seventeen nine tells us that the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Sometimes you hear people say, well, just follow your heart. Man, that's terrible advice because your heart will lead you many times in some very, very bad places. I, I talk to these, especially teenage girls. I know, uh, I know these girls probably get tired of me hammering away on them all the time. But, uh, but I tell these girls, you know, they say, "Oh, I'm just following my heart." And I say, "No, you better not follow your heart. You better follow the Lord. You follow Jesus, and you follow Him consistently, and He will lead you to the person that He wants you to marry someday. If He wants you to marry, He'll lead you to the right person. But you follow your heart, you're liable to end up." Uh, falling in love. You ever hear that phrase? You really don't fall in love. You fall in ditches and things like that, but you don't fall in love. You, uh, you, you, you determine to love, and you grow in love. And so I know what they mean when they say that, because I probably said it when I first met Carol, too, that I'd fallen in love. But, uh, but I... I knew I hadn't fallen in anything, but I, I did know that I loved her. I wasn't following my heart, though. I was following the Lord. And uh, so the heart is deceived. James 1.22 says, Prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. You know one way people deceive themselves? They come to church and they hear the word of God and they even agree with it 
and then they walk out the door and do just the opposite and violate it. And they're not doers of the word. That's another way that we deceive ourselves. And by the way, Satan is the greatest deceiver of all. He is a liar and a deceiver from the very beginning. He deceived our original parents, and he would seek to deceive us. So there's just so, so many other passages. Uh, listen to 1 Corinthians 15.33. I've got 20 down here. I'm not going to read all of them, but, I, but here's uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Let me say to all the boys and girls, young ladies, young men, listen, one way that you can be deceived is by hanging around with the wrong people. Bad company corrupts or ruins good morals. You want to live a godly life? Then make your closest friends the godliest people that you know. And I guarantee you, you start hanging around with people that you shouldn't hang around with, and their corrupt ways will rub off on you. And uh, that's just all I'm going to say about that. I just, uh, and if you think you can hang around bad people, you know, I've known, uh, again, I don't know why I'm on this so much today, uh, but uh, you girls listen again. Uh, I know girls who say, well, I know he's not a Christian, but I'm going to date him because maybe I can lead him to Jesus. Now, bad company corrupts good morals more than good company enhances right morals. So there, there's a, a law at work there that pulls downward, not upward. So, uh, so, Alexis, don't you ever date a jerk, okay? Okay. Cookie, you too. Elizabeth, you too. Because I guarantee you, me and your dad will uh, pay him a visit. Huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... Uh, so uh, these are just some of the ways the Bible says that we can be deceived. And, uh, and uh, in 2 Timothy 3.13, it'll be the last one that I'll mention here. The Bible says that in the last days, deceivers will get worse and worse. And I'm telling you, there are false teachers out here today who take a marvelous message like the grace of God... And they end up twisting it and perverting it in such a way that they say, because God is so good and God is so gracious, it doesn't matter how you live once you're saved. I want to tell you, that is just absolutely wrong. That is deceptive, it is dangerous, and it is deadly. But deceivers will get worse and worse, he says, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness or sinfulness. So don't be deceived. You just follow the word, follow the Lord, stay in fellowship with godly people who are seeking the Lord. In my years, uh, all my years, I have tried to associate with people that I thought loved Jesus even more than I did. Because I want 
there always to be somebody that's pulling me upward into a closer and closer walk with the Lord. And I've tried to read books by men like A.W. Tozer and, uh, and, and others and Jonathan Edwards and, and people like that that are always pulling me into a closer and closer walk with the Lord. So don't be deceived because uh, uh, sin is lurking everywhere. Sin is lurking everywhere. Well, <clears throat> let me go back to uh, the passage there. In, uh, so I, all of us are sowing some seeds. What are you sowing? And be careful because and here, here's a, something that I, I, I wrote several years ago. It said all of our harvest, all of tomorrow's harvest is determined by the seeds that we're sowing today. Back 35 years ago, when we first came to Ovilla, I was asked to speak at the baccalaureate at, uh, for Red Oak High School. And I spoke that night on this topic, looking at your life from the back door. And I said, I want you to imagine 50 years have passed, and now you're all almost 70 years old. You're not 17 or 18 or 19. You're 68, 69 years old. What kind of life do you want to have? What do you want your life to look like? You want to have a happy marriage for 45 years? You want to be married to the same person and have a good, happy marriage for 45 years? You want to have children that you've raised up to love the Lord and, and uh, be good kids? You want to be healthy? And you want to have a happy life? You want to be able to look back and say, I don't have any regrets? And they were all nodding their heads like, yeah, that's, that's what we want. That's what we want. I said, or do you want to have a string of broken relationships? Do you want to have broken health? Do you want to have a broken heart three or four times? Do you want to, and I, I listed several other things, and of course they were all saying, no, that's not what I want. So I said, well, you can have either one of those, but it's determined by the seeds that you start sowing today. And that's what this passage is saying, is that the seeds you're sowing today will be uh, the harvest that you're going to reap further down the way. When I was 18 years old, between my f freshman year and sophomore year of college, I needed to raise some money to pay for my college. And my dad gave me a little over a fourth of an acre, about a third of an acre of really, really rich ground. And he said, son, I want you to raise squash. He said, if you'll plant this third of an acre in squash, you can make enough money off of this one-third acre to pay your tuition for next school year. And so I broke that ground up, put it in rows and mounds, and put five little squash seeds in each mound, and then I waited. I'd go out there every few days. And I, any weeds or anything, I would pull up. And then before long, I saw the 
squash seeds beginning to grow and, and uh, break through the ground. And then all of a sudden, they started growing like crazy. And, man, the next thing I knew, there were great big old bushes, great big squash bushes and flowers all over them. And everywhere there was a flower, there was going to be a squash. And then the next thing I knew, the squash was coming in. And I started harvesting that squash, and I'd harvest half of it today, take that off and sell it, come back the next day, and the other half was ready to harvest, take that off and sell it. By the third day, that first half was ready to harvest again. You could almost see that squash growing. It was growing so fast. And I want you to know, I made enough money off of that third of an acre of squash to pay my entire full year's tuition at Union University. Isn't that amazing? And I thought when I was planting all that, those squash seeds, I, I thought when my dad said, son, if you'll plant these seeds, you'll make enough money off of this harvest to pay your way at school next year. I thought that was the silliest thing I ever heard. I mean, I, I had a little bag full of seeds. And I thought, how in the world is this going to make me enough money, grow enough squash to make me enough money to pay my whole year? But it did. And I've thought about that many times. If I had just not planted those seeds, what a difference it would have made. And I, over the last 56, 57 years, I've been trying to plant seeds of kindness, honesty, truthfulness, integrity, love. And as I've planted those seeds... I may not have seen the harvest immediately. Usually didn't. But sooner or later, the harvest would come. That's why Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. You want mercy to be given to you? Then you plant mercy. That's what Jesus said. He said, Give, and it will be given to you. And he said that actually in connection with the sowing and reaping idea. Whatever you give, it will be given to you. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. And man, the picture I get in my mind when I read that is when we would pick cotton when I was uh, a teenager. We'd pick cotton and we'd have that big old nine-foot sack. I'd graduated to a nine-foot sack, which I didn't consider that a graduation. But uh, my dad did, and he said, son, I want you to fill this sack up with cotton. I'd pick, 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 put in that sack, and then I'd say, well, dad, I think I'm ready to go away. He said, no, just a minute. He'd come, he'd take my sack, and he'd bounce it like that. And all that sack full of cotton would go down and be about that much in there. I'd keep picking again. He'd come pack it down again. And then after I got it so full, I could hardly pull it. He'd come over and he'd say, no, I think you can get a little more in there. And he would begin to push it, pack it down on the side. And then when it got to where it was spilling out the top, he'd say, okay, it's time to go, go way up. We call it way up, you know. And he'd weigh that sack of cotton. And I, when, I, when I read that passage, give and it will be given to you full measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
That's what God will do if you are given. And what will he give you? He says, give and it will be given to you. Now, I know preachers love to talk about money here, but that's not what he's talking about mainly. He's talking about it. You want a lot of it? Well, give and it will be given to you. What will be given to you? Whatever you give. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And if you give uh, a hard time (laughs) to people, you're going to get a hard time back. If you give criticism, you'll get criticism. If you give judgment, you'll get judgment. But if you give mercy, you'll get mercy. If you give love, you'll get love in most cases. Now, there are a few times you can give love and There'll be some folks who'll give you grief, but as a general rule, this is a principle. So, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Now, this is true on an individual basis. It's true on a national basis as well. I think most of us would agree that our country is in one big mess right now. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, if anything, it's spiraling down, 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 and... uh, up until a few years ago, I, I still had some hope. I try to hope for hope now. But I, I guarantee you it's harder to hope now than it was a few years ago. 15, 20 years ago especially. And I just see so much immorality, so much crime, so much hate, so much bitterness, so much bickering, so much disunity, so much strife. And uh, just little glimpses here and there of the grace of God. We saw some this last week here in Dallas, didn't we? When that uh, young man went to that police woman who had shot and killed his brother. And he said, I don't hate you. In fact, I love you. And I, I want you to have forgiveness and it begins he said with Jesus trust in Jesus and then could you believe that the judge came down off the bench went into her chambers and got a Bible her own personal Bible and brought it to that woman and said it begins with John three sixteen. I see little glimpses like that, and it kind of ignites some hope in me again. But those kinds of things are the rare exceptions today. And I'm telling you, America has sowed some seeds that we're reaping the harvest from right now. So what can we do? We can take out our bag of the right seeds and sow the gospel seed. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Show the love of Jesus to people. And it's not going to happen right in here. I mean, this is where the bag of seeds are right here. It's when we go out those doors and out into our jobs and out into our community, out into our neighborhoods, that's where we sow the seeds. And I just want to encourage you today that God, God has made you a promise. He said, whatever you sow, you'll reap. That's a scary promise if you're sowing bad seeds. 
But it's a glorious promise if you're sowing right seeds. So I charge you, urge you today to sow the seed of grace and truth and love and joy, all the fruit. See, the the wonderful thing is that the Spirit of God produces fruit in us, but each of those fruit, all aspects of that fruit, has within it seeds. And we can take the seeds that God has sown in our heart, and we sow it in the hearts and lives of others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have saved us by your grace. You've redeemed us with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. But because we're your children, you've also given us some responsibilities to be holy. You've told us to be holy even as you're holy. And I pray that you'll help us as your children to sow the seeds of truth, the seeds of kindness. Your word says that he that goeth forth sowing with tears will doubtless come again rejoicing with abundant sheaves of grain. And I pray that you'll help us to sow for a harvest that will bring blessing to others, joy to us, and glory to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.